Guys, if anybody's ever bought any, had a major purchase of any kind, you want to check it out first. I know Carvana is a thing now. It's, you can like go online and buy your car and have it delivered. I'm a little sketchy about that myself because I want to sit in the driver's seat. But what they did, they had these, um, they had terraces. So when you're, in the, you're in the Middle East and you have these hills and you have these different ways of, for the water to be irrigated off of there. And they would make terraces. And you want to see that thing before you go and purchase it. You want to see where the sun's going to hit at certain times of day. You want to know, well, we're going to get winter rains, and I want to make sure this field is set up to get those good winter rains so my crops will do what they're supposed to do. It's unlikely that he would have bought this without looking at it first. You guys have all seen HGTV shows, right? The house flippers, well, they'll go in there and, like, I can't think of the guy's name. They're out in California, but he and his wife um, would go in, and they'd, like, buy it at an auction, Tariq was his name, right? They go buy it at an auction and not even get inside of it. And then when they go and get inside of it, it's a, when they, they get inside that house, it's a mess, man. Like all the electrical's all shoddy or there's water damage or maybe there's some rodent droppings all over the place. Or like we see episodes where 25 cats have just gone and moved in there. And it's gross and it's not a good thing, right? It never turns out super well for these people. And they end up spending a lot more money on it than they thought because they hadn't looked at it first. The same thing holds true for this man that's going to buy a field. He would go check it out before he, send over, before he gave over his money to do this. So this first excuse, it's lousy. It's not a good excuse. And then we get to the second guy, and he has an excuse too. He's declining because, because um, he's got a, he said he's bought five yoke of oxen. All right, And I can understand one guy saying, yeah, I'm not going to show up, but then we've got a kind of a pattern going here. And the second guy's like, I'm not going to go to this either because I just bought these five yoke of oxen, and I've got to go try them out. Similar to that first excuse, these oxen, they'd put them in pairs, right? So it's five oxen yoked means ten, right? So it's like a team of oxen. And so you wouldn't want two oxen to be together. Like you could have a really, like a really diminutive oxen like me, and then you could have a really big oxen like I'm not going to point anybody out, right? But you wouldn't want those two oxen pulling side by side. And so if he's not even checked these out or seen how they perform, that's not going to go well for, me, for him either because you want to make sure the towing capacity is the same, that they work at the same pace, they're probably similar ages and have the same experience. You could put a couple of inexperienced oxen together in a yoke as long as they're the same strength and as long as they pull at the same rate it's kind of like buying a tractor anybody ever bought a tractor i have not i bought a car or two right but if you were to buy a tractor or a car you want to make sure it's got good power behind it right you'd want to sit in the driver's seat you'd want to have an idea for um for a tractor like how it did out in the field plowing like what kind of towing capacity it has right again i'm not a farmer so i don't know a whole lot about that but i know that if i was going to buy a tractor I'd want to check it out first. And with these oxen, can you imagine putting two large beasts of burden together on a yoke and not wanting to see that first and see how they were perform? And so again, we've got this guy making this excuse that's really not an excuse that is legitimate. It's an excuse that's lousy because he just, he doesn't want to go to the banquet. And then we get down to the third guy. And this guy, he's not even polite about it, right? He says, I just got married, can't go. And you're like, was his wife really mean to him, or was he a jerk? Or we, we don't know for sure what this is, but there is some like underlying stuff here that like I don't know, I don't know all the Middle Eastern culture and, and all the Greek thing that's happening here. But there's something that's maybe a little bit untoward actually that you want to talk about that offline. We can, but the point is he's being it's it's offensive and it's and it's rude. For one thing, 
they would have known each other. He wouldn't have just, I mean, in our story, he's inviting people that are neighbors and other business people in his community, right? They would have known. The gentleman that was having the feast would have known this guy was getting married. The guy that was getting married, when he got the, invi- when the, when he got the invitation and said, yeah, I'm going to come, he would have known he was getting married. Okay? So no way in that time and space they would have conflicted. That's just not something that would happen. And so, first of all, he's making an excuse. Second of all, he doesn't say, excuse me, like the other two guys is, do, so he might just be impolite. And then there's something going on here that seems to be him shaming or making the host feel like he's less of a person, right? He's, he's being offensive. So most of us have given or received evites or like a Facebook invitation. I'm sure there's other technology I'm not aware of out there, but you've seen these, right? And so you'll get an evite and then you'll say yes and you'll, you'll go back. You'll, you'll get a, a response in three or four weeks whenever the invitation is, whenever the party's happening, you get a reminder about it, right? Or on Facebook, you get this event notification and they may send it out to a thousand people on their, on their friend list, but you could say, I'm going or I'm interested or I'm not going, or you can even ignore it, I think is an option, which I do that pretty often, but um, but if you say yes, you're saying, hey, I'm going to show up, right? And so for us, if we say yes to that invitation and, and then we don't show up, there's a, there's a mild amount of shame to that. It's not like a huge deal. It's like, especially if that guy invited like 700 of his closest friends on Facebook and he's not expecting all 700 of those people to show up. So I'm good. But if he sent like a personal invitation with a note to like five of his close friends and all of them at the last minute said, yeah, I'm not going to make it. A person would be hurt by that, right? And we see that in our story. Our, our, our host is going to be devastated by this. We talked a couple of weeks ago about he had prepared all this food. He had gotten everything ready. And then they're like, no, I don't want to do it. I don't want to be a part of that. Most of us have done this before. We've, set, we've made an excuse for why we don't want to be there. And there's not a lot of shame in that. But our host feels the shame if they put a lot of effort into it. Maybe there's something else that's a little bit familiar in this story. When I was in high school... I, uh, I didn't date a whole lot um, because I liked to work and I earned money and I like spending that money on myself. And so I've grown since then. I, uh, I, I still don't like to just go nuts with the money, but I do spend a little bit every now and then on people that I love. And, but in high school, I didn't date that much. I had a couple of friends that, um, that were really good friends of mine and they had long-term girlfriends. Oh, and those guys, oh, they were all edgy and miserable all the time. And I was like... Yeah, I just don't need that hassle. But I did date occasionally. You know, I would go to homecoming, and I went to prom, and I did some of that stuff. But I was dating this girl for a couple weeks. And by dating in the 80s, it was like, we talked on the phone. She might have sent me a note. I saw her at lunch. Those types of things, right? Okay? And so we had been going out for a couple of weeks, and we had made plans to go out on Saturday, on a Saturday night, right? Because that's what you do. And I'd been working all day, and she was in an event someplace like we lived in Arlington, and she was in Dallas for this event all day, which is not too far away, but it's a distance. But anyways, she was at this event. I was working all day. I got home from work. I cleaned up. I took a shower. I put on the cool hair gel so my, my, my hair would spike up like we did back then, like some of us did. Put my cool clothes on as opposed to my, my Safeway uh, polyester pants and stuff like that, you know. And then I waited. And I waited. And I waited. We didn't have cell phones back then, right? So it wasn't like I could call her or she could even really call me. But eventually, she did call. You know how this ends, right? She had made other plans. I'm pausing for some effect here. 
Well, anyways, I actually, I wasn't heartbroken. It wasn't a huge deal. We've been going out for a couple of weeks, but it didn't feel nice, right? Never does. And some of you guys have been on the receiving end of that. I don't know. Maybe it's just me that's the, the lonely dumpst guy, but... Some of us have been on the receiving end of it. Some of, it, some of us have dished it out and just said, yeah, I'm, I'm done with you, right? And just bailed, right? But it didn't feel good. And, you know, it depends on your level of interest. So if you like that person a whole lot, then it hurts. If you're like, eh, whatever, then it's not so much, right? But still, it feels like a shun. It feels like a shame thing. Now, on a different level, our host in this story that Jesus is telling is, is feeling something similar because he has gotten himself ready, right? He got gussied up. He got the place. He got his, his barn or whatever it is he's going to have this big feast in. He's got that all set up. He's done all this prep work to get there. And then all these guys start saying, yeah, we're not going to come after all. After they said they were going to be there, right? They had set a date. And like, yeah, we're not going to be there. And he had to make a choice at that point. And I made a choice that night too. I could have sat around and moped and like put my hair back down and um, taken off my cool shoes or whatever. I could have wrote her a nasty note and put it in her locker on Monday because we did write notes back then. I didn't do any of that. Instead, I just called my friends, and we went and did something. It was great. We made something good out of it. They wanted to hang out with me, or at least they acted like they did, so we did. <laughs> now, our host makes a choice in this story too, right? And we talked about it a couple, more, a couple of weeks ago, and he turned it into something positive. You know, he t- turned that rejection, he turned those excuses into something good for some, ev- some other people. And we're going to explore that a little bit more next week. This week, we're just kind of focusing in on those excuses. But we've all been there. We've all done that. You know, and I'm going to get a little bit darker than I, than I usually like to get, although I'm pretty dark. I like the IFC kind of independent film, crazy, sad stuff. So we're going to talk about a guy, there's a guy named Kierkegaard, and he's, he's a philosopher back in the 1800s. And he, I don't think he was a happy fella. He was good. He was serious, right? And he took his life with Christ serious. And he takes making excuses about why we opt out of having a good life with Christ. He takes those serious too. And that's why I want to have the, this quote put up there. It says, For the, like a poisonous breath over the fields, like a mass of locusts over Egypt, so the swarm of excuses is a general plague. It's a ruinous infection among men that eats off, it eats off the sprouts of the eternal. Guys, when we make excuses for opting out of our life with God, with, for joining in in that banquet, then we're just kind of plucking away those really awesome things that he has for us, and we're just like, eh, I don't want it. And so it is serious business. It's serious business for us to make an excuse for not being fully engaged in what God is trying to do in and through us. So why do we make excuses? Why do we, why do, we do that? You know, there's this amazing feast that God is calling to us, calling us to. And we just say, ah, you know, I've got other stuff to do. I'll never know for sure why that girl didn't, didn't show up that night. She, she might have given me an excuse, but you know how it is when you're on the phone and they're giving you bad news and you kind of go into shock mode, right? And you're just like, oh, yeah, okay. So I, honestly, I don't remember why she gave me an excuse. I'm sure there was something there, but that's neither here nor there. But, but we've all done it, right? We've all made those excuses. We've all said, hey, I don't feel like it tonight or I don't feel like going around, being around that person. So we just skip out on it. 
you know? And I want to touch on some underlying issues for why I make those excuses. I mean, Ryan had eight to ten excuses that he had queued up and ready to go, but there's some underlying reasons for why we make those excuses, right? And I want to look at those, and I want to see how or why we might want to change our approach to this. You know, first of all, many times an excuse is us procrastinating. It's a way for us to procrastinate. We're simply putting off something we don't want to do, at least not right now, right? So this psychologist named Tim Pitchell says this. He, he, tell, he talks about the reason why we procrastinate. It's our, it's our current self tends to override our future better self. And then we miss out on the good life that we're, we're meant to have because we've got this current self going, oh, you should do this instead of that because you really, yeah, that's, that takes too much work and I'm just going to put that off till later. That sounds familiar, doesn't it, right? He says, whenever I face a task, we're not going to feel like doing it. Somehow adults believe their motivational state has to match the task at hand. We say, "Ah, I'm not in the mood. That sounds familiar, doesn't it? He goes on to say, our motivational state rarely matches the task at hand. So we always have to use self-regulation skills to bring our focus to it. So at first it'll be like, okay, I don't really feel like it, but I'm just going to get started. This is kind of like homework, right? You know you have to do it. You don't want to do it. But if you get started, just get into it, and you're like, okay, I can do this. And just keep on going, right? So we may want to be a part of something bigger than ourselves. We may feel like, well, I'd really like to build some lasting friendships. Or I'd really like to make some connections or be a part of a, something that's a community-building type of thing in my life. But I've got all these other things going on right now. You know, I, I could have some people over, but my house isn't really conducive to that, or my apartment, or, you know, I got all this stacks of laundry all over the place, and, oh, well, you know, tonight I got Netflix, and I've got, I've got about four more episodes of that show, and we could probably finish that, and, and then there's other things that are, that seem really good, which are our kids being involved with a gazillion activities, right, and we run, we're running and running all week and doing stuff, and we're like, okay, well, my life's going to be on back burner until my kids are grown up, and then they get grown up, and then they start having kids, and then you're all the grandkids stuff. And it just perpetuates itself. And so we just keep pushing it further and further down the road. We often get caught up in so much in who we are right now that we fail to see that future better self that we can be. You know, contentment plays a little bit of role in this as we're striving forward in a spiritual life. Our contentment is not a bad thing, but a lot of times it turns into either complacency or apathy, maybe even fear. And sometimes for me it's just laziness, right? You know, we all do this. I tend to look at who I am currently, and I'm, um, I want to be better. I want to be moving forward. But again, I put it off. I put the things off that I know how to do. The same psychologist, this guy, Tim Pitchell, says the thing we have to do to move out of this procrastination rut is just to get started somewhere. Some will use the introvert excuse for procrastinating, for putting these things off. But I'm going to call bull on that. <laughs> Unless you're like clinically, uh, like have a social anxiety disorder, then I'm not going to let you have that excuse because I'm an introvert, right? And I'm standing up in front of you guys sweating a little bit. Um, but I, I, I know that if, I, if we get started, we could do this. Um, if you've ever seen Tim, Pastor Tim and I, in a, in a large group setting, you know there's an obvious difference between the two of us, right? But that doesn't give me an opt-out. It doesn't let me go and hide, although sometimes I do go hide, right? But my future self 
is not an extrovert, all right? That's not going to happen. But my future self is warmer and more open and more generous. Now, my current self, who I am right now, is way further along on that path of being that person. But that's because I've accepted this invitation to join in on this banquet. And that's how I can get further along. My hunch is you all know what you can do to get more engaged, what the thing you are procrastinating about to keep you disengaged from what's happening. But really, you just need to get started. You know, take a little initiative by showing up to community group next week. We've got several that are listed in the bulletin. That's a great opportunity for you to join this life together that we're, that we're being called to. I know most of those people that are going to community groups, and most of them are pretty nice. There's a couple you got to watch out for, but it'll be, it really will be fine. And they would love to have you over. You know, if that feels overwhelming, like that's a group of six people, I don't know that I can do that, then find somebody here today and go get some lunch. Or say, hey, let's go get coffee next week. You know, but the thing we have to do is just get started. Do something. Move off of that center. The second reason we often make excuses is we think it's going to be painful, right? We think, ah, I don't want to do that because that might, I, it might be like an emotional pain or a physical pain or it just might be a painful waste of time. And we don't want to do that. We don't, we don't want to give up our precious time because that's painful to us because you never get that time back, Right? It's, not gonna, it's gonna cost us something. We don't necessarily want to give that something. And most of us like to avoid pain, right? And if you've seen any kind of television commercial in the last 15 years, we're a pain-avoiding society with a pill for every kind of pain. But you remember Ryan from our clip, all right? Office, I, hopefully everybody knows Ryan from the office, okay? But anyways, he didn't want to go to lunch with Michael Scott. And I kind of get that. <laughs> Michael Scott makes everybody around him uncomfortable except for Dwight, okay? But sure, you know, it's got to be exhausting. It's, it's fun to watch him on a sitcom, you know, because we don't have to, like, we don't, we're not collateral damage in a sitcom. But, man, he had to be exhausting to be around all the time, right? And Ryan knows that. Everybody in the office knows that. They kind of turn the other way when he comes their way, right? I would never compare Michael Scott to Jesus Christ, not in that way. But I think he played Noah one time, didn't he? Okay. Anyways, um, sorry. I'm totally off track now. I'm just going to deal. <laughs> now, I wouldn't, compare him to Mike, I wouldn't compare Michael Scott to Jesus Christ, but we kind of tend to, th- to think of our relationship with Christ, and maybe not just with Christ, but with the people that Christ knows and follows, like, oh, this could be painful. This could be a waste of time. I, they make me a little bit uncomfortable, or I am just feel uncomfortable because of who I am, right? And instead of going, okay, what can we do with this situation to make it better, right? And so instead, we just avoid all of it. And a lot of times, we're like, Ryan, we have eight to ten things queued up from our phone that, okay, I got an excuse for that one, that one, that one, and that one, right? Instead of saying, okay, yeah, it may be a little bit uncomfortable, but what, we can, what can we do to alleviate that? But something we can do to alleviate that excuse. Think about those first two guys. Okay, we had our first three guys. You know, two lame excuses and, and at least a thank you for inviting me. And then one that's like, yeah, not coming at all. What if the first two guys had gotten together, right, and talked ahead of time? They got the invitation like, 
okay, let's talk. And what if they, they might have, they might have got their story straight so they didn't have to go to the party. But what if they'd gotten together and said, hey, this guy has really put a lot of effort into this. This is really a nice uh, piece of parchment he sent out for this invitation. And we said we were going to go, so maybe we should go do this. You know, and he's inviting his kind of upper class neighbors, people that had that were could be reciprocal, right? People that would maybe have him over at some point. But instead, they reject the invitation, and then they miss out on the party that he called them to. See, one thing that they could have done is say, "Hey, let's do this. Let's get together." So my reputation and your reputation will be okay if we go do this together. If we go hang out together at this party. That way, if some other people show up that we don't like, we can just talk to each other and it'll be fine, right? And I tell people all this time, I used to be in student ministry, and so we'd have events and stuff, and kids are, you know, kids are tough. I mean, especially middle school is an awkward time in life. Pretty much, I'm almost 50, and it's still an awkward time, right, for me. But there's this, there's this thing that we've got going where I would, I, we're, we're having an event, and the kid were like, I don't know if I want to go to that because there's going to be a lot of people there that I don't know. And I always said, bring somebody with you. You know, bring a friend to that, because that way at least you've got somebody that you're going to be hanging out there with. I do this. I, you know, it's, it's pretty hard for me to walk into a crowded room full of people that I don't know or I don't know well or maybe I do know well. It just kind of depends on who I am at the, at the moment. But I get that. I know. But I know if I bring somebody into that room with me or if I ask somebody to come to the thing with me, that pain level, that anxiety level drops significantly because it's not like I have to go, it's not like the lunchroom when you're a kid and everybody's sitting down already and you're just like, I don't know where to sit. You bring somebody with you and that reduces that amount of pain that you feel. Now one more reason we make excuses to skip out on, the, on the, this wonderful, engaging community life that God calls us to is what I'll call the over-familiarity excuse. We think we've seen it. You know, we've been to a few banquets, haven't we? The chicken ain't all that good. Oh, man. And the speeches can be long and boring, and they, it just goes on forever. And at the end of it, they, they're going to want something from me, right? They're either going to ask me to clean up, or they're going to want some money for the thing that they're trying to raise money for, right? And so we've been to banquets before. We kind of ha- have in our mind what that's going to be. This is not what this was. Now, Dallas Willard said this. And it speaks well as to why people make excuses for participating. He says the major problem with the invitation now is precisely over-familiarity. People think they've heard the invitation. They think they've accepted it or rejected it, but they have not. The difficulty today is to hear it at all. Written everywhere, we may think, how could the invitation be subtle or deep? It looks like the other graffiti and even shows up in the same places. We experienced this on a, on a recent road trip. We went over the holiday and went to Oklahoma and Texas and back. Yeah, 3,000 miles in a car. It was pretty awesome. Um, and it's amazing and striking to me the number of churches that are out there between here and there and back. They're everywhere. And one thing I've noticed, and we noticed this on, on prior trips, are these huge white crosses. They're like 40 feet tall, and the same company's making all of them. And so it, they, they are. They're exactly the same cross, but they're in different places across the landscape. So they're like selling them to churches that are close to the highway or something. They're really amazing and striking crosses. And I'm like, okay, somebody's making some money off of this, so good for them. But then you see the signs too, right? 
along the highway, you see the billboards that are paid for billboards, like 1-800-FIND-THE-TRUTH or whatever, or the, the, the good ones like, well, Jesus saves, which I agree with. I think that's right. You know, that's good stuff. And then you see other signs that maybe are meant to invoke fear. Some of them are, are warm and fuzzy and nice. I've, there's one that's like a, it kind of like, uh, yeah, I'm not going to get too deep into this, but it denies science, and you're like, oh, okay, that's one, there's one thing there, right? One, one of our favorite ones, one of my favorite ones is the one that says, um, it says, one day you will meet God. I'm like, that sounds awesome. I can't wait. That'll be good. I'm looking forward to that day. But I think it's really supposed to make people scared, right? Um, we, were in, we were in southern Virginia on our last leg on the way back up. And there's this sign, there, there's this building on the side of the road. And on one side, in big block um, capital letters, it says, Jesus is Lord. It's like, oh, that's nice. And then you get a little bit further down the building, and it's like, we buy guns. And you're like, oh, okay, well, that's, that's fine. If they, they buy guns, maybe that's like their way of um, decreasing violence. I don't know what that is. I, I couldn't put it together. I wasn't sure exactly what was happening. But there's these signs, right? And we are inundated with the signs, right? The landscape is literally overflowing and saturated with the different signs. And so we feel like we've seen it all before. It's so familiar to us. The reason it's familiar, well, it's familiar and it's lost its appeal, right? The packaging is no bueno. We don't want to be a part of whatever it is that they're selling on their sign or their big, huge cross, right? But we're going to miss it out. We're going to miss out because we think it's over-familiar. We think it's too close. It's, and Jesus is not all that familiar. We think we know, but we don't. For this familiarity issue, we've got to expand our minds. We've got to go deeper into what he said and into what he did. I know personally, when I, when I do the investigation, I find that there's nuance and subtlety and depth that we're going to miss if we just think it's that same surface familiar thing. And we do. We think it's just the same stuff over and over again, but it's not. There's more to this life with Jesus than a location, a catchy sign, a really good ringtone, <laughs> a dogma or a creed. We think we've seen it all before. We think we've felt it all before. We think we know what it is. But until we investigate it, until we get into the nuance of who Jesus is and what he's trying to do in our lives, then we're going to miss out. I'll go back to Dallas Willard who says this. He wrote, Yet in the gloom, a light glimmers and glows. We have received an invitation. We are invited to make a pilgrimage into the heart and life of God. The invitation has long been on public record. You can hardly look anywhere across the human scene and not encounter it. It is literally blowing in the wind. A door of welcome seems open to everyone without exception. No person or circumstance other than our own decision can keep us away. Whosoever will may come. You know, if you're going to be a part of the banquet, if you're going to enjoy that feast, the biggest thing to do is just show up. You know, showing up is half the, half the thing. Half the encounter that we're going to have with God is just being there with the other people trying to make this banquet a fun one, right? 
And when I say showing up, I don't just mean showing up here on Sunday morning. Oh, that's good because it's good to worship together and it's good to learn from each other. But it means maybe helping out with our Opportunity House stuff that we do or with Safe Burks or doing something in your neighborhood for people you're like, you wave to on occasion, but you don't really know. It's like I said earlier, it's like oh, you, could, you could invite somebody for lunch this week or you could get involved in our children's ministry, our student ministry. All of these ways will help us bring that banquet into other people's lives as well. And we, that's what it looks like to join that banquet. It looks like us being really good at welcoming new people into our community. That's what joining that banquet looks like. So my question for you guys is today, what would be your excuse for not joining into the banquet? What would be your excuse for not wanting to be a part of what God is calling us into? If you're procrastinating, it's just a matter of getting started. It's a matter of saying, hey, you know what? I'm going to go to community group and maybe a little freaked out about that, but I'm going to take somebody with me, right? Or inviting somebody for coffee, like I said. Or finding a place to serve. But the point for procrastination is just to start somewhere. Do you think it's going to somehow be painful? Bring somebody you trust along with you. You, we, can do this together? Or is it just so familiar it's lost its appeal? And for that one, it's on us personally to dive deeper into what Christ was saying as he said it and figuring out, okay, where do I fit into this life that he is calling me into? Whatever an excuse might be, the banquet is going to go on with or without you guys, with, it, with or without me, right? If I don't decide to show up. But if I decide to show up, there's something good going on there. Many of you guys are already engaged in that. You're like having appetizers and drinks and having a good time, right? That means the the party, the banquet is still going. It's still an open invitation. And we're all invited to come to it. My hope for you today is that you'll accept that invitation and then show up without any excuses. And we kind of go into a, a time of Q&A. I should have paused a little bit and let us think about that, but I didn't. Um, but we go into a time of Q&A. Tim will be around with a, with a microphone. If we have any questions, we can an- I don't know if we can answer them or not, but we can talk a little bit and dialogue some. Oh, Dan's over here. Uh-oh. I'm going to pay attention. <laughs> He's smarter than I am. That's why I'm scared. <laughs> Andrew, good stuff. You're funny. You're a funny guy. <laughs> and smart. Not on purpose. Funny. <laughs> um, so, I think, I think what's important to keep in mind, and sometimes what, what I've struggled with before is wondering what my role at said banquet is, to keep the metaphor going. And um, what has been important for me in the past has been to recognize that, you know, sometimes there's bad experiences. You know, you talked about that a little bit, the pain, for example. Um, There can be bad experiences in trying to be involved sometimes um, and trying to find life in in these places. Um, And it's it's hard to keep going with that sometimes. I think we get tired of it. Um, We're tired of the pain. We find other things that, at least in the moment, are better, are more comfortable. Um, But... um, in spite of those 
of those roles sometimes not being a right fit. I think there is a, a right fit for all of us, and we can find a place. Maybe it's not, you know, giving the speech at the banquet. Um, maybe it's cleaning up afterwards. Um, but, uh, <clears throat> sorry, it's becoming a tired metaphor, but um, I just think we have different roles, and it's it's important to find what makes sense for you. And we all have different capacities for, for how much time, how, what our resources are like, what we can do, what we can be a part of, and how often. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and you spoke to that a little bit too, but h- how do we identify maybe where a good fit is? What, what is our role? How can we get involved in a way that, that makes sense for us because we're all different? Sure. Well, like I said, part of it is, I mean, we just show up. We, we're consistently a part of the community, right? And we find places where, you know, it may not be a well-defined role, right? It may just be you see something, you see somebody that, that kind of comes in on their own or leaves on their own and nothing said. It's like there's nothing to keep us from not, not, not grabbing that person, but just touching, like checking in, right, and seeing. So part of it is showing up and being here. And so if you're here, not just here, but at community group or you're a part of the, the different service opportunities that we have, part of it is that showing up factor, so you know when somebody might be hurting. You know some, somebody is, like, feeling a little bit uncomfortable about where they are, what role they fit into here. But we all have a place in um, at the banquet, right? That's what the invitation was for. Um, I don't want to steal too much from next week, but part of the thing is these people are rejecting him, and he's like, but I've made all this food. You know, I want to make sure that all, everybody that everybody can come, right? Whosoever will may come. Right, we we want to make sure that we still leave those open spaces available. We had those reserves stickers or whatever on the tables last week because we want to be thinking constantly about well, who's who's missing from this that we want to invite. So, a lot of it's just interpersonal showing up. I think. It's on. <laughs> okay, so this is a great message, and I think uh, you know a lot of people need to hear it. But I feel like those who need to hear this most are not here. Um, <laughs> so I guess my question is that, like, how how do you think we should stay motivated in encouraging people who just enjoy making excuses? How do we encourage people that enjoy making excuses? Is that kind of what I'm hearing? Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, and some of this, I think, just comes on. It, it falls to him. What do you think about that, Julio? What do you, I mean, what do you do? I said I might not have all the answers, right? I, you know, honestly, um, the invite is something we need to be pushing out. And next week's lesson is going to speak to that better than this week's lesson, right? Um, but I think we have people that, yeah, they're putting it off or, they're, um, or they feel like, okay, I can't go into a crowd of people or church isn't for me or um, they're going to expect something from me that I don't want, whether that's my money or my time or um, I'm going to have to sign a release so my kids can go do something over here or whatever, right? And so... We can make up a, a ton of excuses for not being a part of it, but if we, as um, loving, accepting, 
people can extend that invitation outside of here. Because again, it's not about just being here, right? It's about being a Christ follower. That banquet's not just, we wouldn't all fit in this room for that, right? It's out, out there more than it is just right here. And so we're inviting them into a life with God, not into that, the churchianity stuff that we see on the billboards or the huge crosses and things like that. So I don't know what we do with people that continue to make excuses. You know, we, uh, we didn't tolerate that at our house very well. And so I'm not sure exactly what I would do with that other than just you continue to love them, right? You continue to um, ask open-ended questions and find out what it is that's keeping them, what's holding them back from wanting to be a part of the life that, you found in Christ, right? Yeah, Andrew, thank you. um, That was excellent and uh, gave me a lot to think about because I think at points in my life, I've used all those excuses, you know, but I have a really in-depth burning question. Uh, The girl who stood you up, did you ever go out with her again or or was that it? I did not. (laughs) We are are actually friends on Facebook, but uh, no, didn't go out with her again. It's not Carmen. <laughs> it's not my wife. She said I should have said something about that. I heard it ahead of time. I was like, ah, they know. We're together, right? So. Okay, I think we're probably done. Oh, no, one more. No, I was just curious, and this may be a takeoff on one of the other comments, but um, the guy who's being rejected, having the, the big banquet and stuff, and people are making excuses, how far do they continue to go to... Um, be friends and have fellowship with these people after the banquet like if literally like if they're having a story yeah yeah I mean how much do you do for you know in order to like you know continue a friendship or establish a friendship things like that sure sure well one of the things okay so as I'm kind of like I haven't done this a whole lot, but now as I'm kind of finishing up, I'm like, I missed this spot, and I missed that thing, and I didn't clarify this very well either. But so our host in the story is is Jesus, right? I mean, that's kind of the the implication is that Jesus is the same as the host, or Jesus slash God is the host. And so they're rejecting God, right? Um, And so he's also speaking to religious leaders at this mealtime thing, the people that are kind of in charge in the synagogue in that town that he's meeting and he's he's meeting with those people so they're the religious kind of elite people in that village right and he didn't have very good interaction with religious folks right people that were overly religious people that for us would be like the churchianity kind of stuff right but so their rejection of him of jesus was the the people that were super religious and had all their stuff together and they're like yeah i don't want to be a part of that i don't want to be a part of that banquet now if, if this is some kind of apocalyptic end time banquet that they're having, then that's a whole other thing that, to concern ourselves with. I think it's a messianic feast. We see that this is what he was ushering in. And when Jesus came, he'll, he'll say in Matthew over, to go, over and over again, he'll say, um, the kingdom of God is near, right? It's not some future thing that's far off. It's happening right now. And so I think there's that open invitation until... There's not that invitation anymore. But the religious people, they tend to, like, not want to associate with him. And so that's why he ends up having to open up this banquet just to everybody. And so I don't know if that answers it super well. I don't think this is just something that's happened far in the future. I think it's happening right now. Okay, i got to be done. I'm really tired. 
It's a lot of talking for me in one day. Okay? All right, well, let's pray, and then the band's going to come back up here and lead us in one more song. Father God, I thank you for this day. Um, We always end up with more questions than we have answers to, Lord, but I do pray that um, we won't make some of the same lame, tired excuses we tend to make for not being a part of what you're calling us into. I pray that for each person in here. I pray that for our church. Um, And I pray for, for our wider community that we would help people see the invitation that you're calling us to that we would embrace that and that we would be the winsome, kind, and open people you created us to be. It's in your precious name I pray. Amen. Mm-hmm.